welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by HF Plastering, with myself, Stephen Nussbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Dan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only daddy-o, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 235. Thanks to everybody who tuned into our last show. Seems like an age ago that we did that. It was a couple of weeks ago. We had a little break, much needed break, um, and we're back. Uh, what a first half of a show that last show was, though, with Kent. He was absolutely superb. He gave some brilliant answers to our questions, and I think our questions were needed to be asked and and uh, I think he gave a lot of reassurance uh, to a lot of fans I think a lot of people know exactly where he stands he's like he said he took a back he's taken a back step slightly and Nigel's um, taking more of a front front uh, seat in in this now so it was it's great to hear from him uh, and and hopefully um, it's given a lot more fans an idea about where he stands on various matters both on and off the pitch so this week We've got just the one game to review. Uh, we've got a couple of weeks' worth of news, not too much, to bring you up to speed on in case you've missed anything. Um, but um, but first, yeah, we, we, we had a little reminisce, didn't we, during the week? We did. We went back down the memory lane, so we had no new podcast to promote last week. So we thought, why not go and highlight some of the episodes that have contributed to the rich history of the Orient Outlook podcast and for me you know going back to episode one Paul listening to those first two minutes feels like a lifetime ago yeah. you can hear how nervous we both were uh, and the fact that I kind of stumble in the opening lines um, but I really enjoyed going back there we also plugged you know Dean Cox's interview Russell Slade's interview episode 50 which was done at the supporters club Matt episode Baldry. 69 which proved very popular uh, which was the night up, which was the night after the night before Oof, the what a night that was award when you heard Kevin Nolan having a go at Scott Cashkit which turned out to be a huge episode um, back in the day so it's really fun to do and we'll continue to do that and look forward um, to doing that in another week where there are no fixtures so that'll probably happen I would imagine in the post-season yeah, I, I will say two things. First of all, I'm going to say, if anyone that was there remembers Lloyd James's trousers, that that will evoke some memories for people. If you were there, you know what I'm talking about. And second of all, the reason I think episode 69 was even more popular at the time was because it was being spoke. something was being spoken about but not being spoken about. Like People were alluding to something happening but no one actually mentioning it and then we, we spoke about it. So it was something we really didn't have to promote too much in the early days of that particular episode. And I was quite happy to speak about it and I just remember getting half a dozen missed calls from the club and from a withheld number and I think they tried to get hold of you as well, right? Yeah, they phoned me and asked me if I had two minutes to speak to Kevin Nolan as I was going into a uh, the Monday HMV conference meeting at half past twelve, and I remember that yeah vividly. But you spoke to Kevin Nolan and it was all sorted out. Oh yeah, he phoned me up and I said to him straight away. I said the first thing I said was, um, "I'm not taking it down and I'm not changing it. It is what it is, and loads of people have listened to it." And he was like, "No, that's fine." He said, "I just want to put across." my version of events, and I said, well, you've got the right of reply. Come on the podcast and tell us. It's not a problem to us. Like, you know, if we've gone wrong somewhere, then you're welcome to come and, and have your say. And he said, look, thank you, but I just want to let you guys know. So he obviously didn't want to do that. But at the end of the day, like I said to him, I said, that was our social night out with the players and the management. 
and certain people didn't behave themselves very well and conduct themselves properly. So, yeah, brilliant episode. Great night, though, that was. Yeah, really good. So if you have the time and you've still not listened to episode 69, even though we're on episode 235, <laughs> go back go back into our vaults. We have a rich history, so many interviews and so many amazing back episodes. And all that took place before we met our lovely sponsors, AJF Plastering. Very good. Very good segue. They're an Essex, if you don't know this by now, I mean, where have you been? They're an Essex-based plastering and rendering company that cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work. They specialise in silicone colour render systems. And the best part, as you will well know by now, that you get a 15% discount if you're a Leighton Orient fan or if you're a Leighton Orient staff. For more information and the best plastering and rendering prices around, you can visit their website, which is www.ajfplastering.co.uk. Or you can email Adam and the team, uh, you can email them ajfplastering at outlook.com. And they're on Facebook uh, and Instagram as well. And he's at Big Ads with a Z, L-O-F-C, on Twitter. But you guys already know all of that by now. Yeah, so one piece of AOB this week, and it's a very sad piece of news. Another sad piece of AOB this week. And we always got to learn about people passing particularly from the Orient family. I think the last couple of episodes, we've always had some sad news. This episode, unfortunately, is no different, as we were saddened to learn of the passing of Gary McCullum, who left us on Monday, the 15th of February. I mean, for me, I, I knew Gary, but I didn't I didn't know him by name. I just knew him as the guy who I always spoke to at the supporters <laughs> club, who always yeah. used to come and talk about the podcast. So I saw the name and thought, oh, that's, that's a shame that another Rose fan has passed away. But it wasn't until I saw the photo and I was like, oh, like that's the guy who I speak like. Yeah. I know him yeah. pretty well. So I was really, really sad um, to hear that. As I say, I always spoke to him. He was always very friendly, always very complimentary of the podcast and said he, he was always listening. Um, so really, really sad, sad to hear that. You know, we'll always be forever grateful for the support that he gave the podcast and for just chatting about Leighton Orient to him. And we obviously send our deepest condolences to his family and friends. Absolutely. And I, I echo that as well. Always made a beeline for each other when we saw each other. Such a nice, just a genuinely nice, decent, honest man. And, um, you know, we're worse off for not having people like him uh, around uh, for the future uh, and for future generations to to know about people like him who who are really part of the fab fabric of our club. So he will be deeply missed when we are allowed back into the supporters club. So that that um, uh, rest in peace to, uh, to, to Gary and, uh, yeah, as you say, condolences to his friends and family. So we're going to move on then to the fortnight that was. So Monday the 8th of February, Coulson Monday, the club announced that the upcoming away match at Carlisle United, which seems like an absolute age ago now, has been moved from 6.30 to a 2.30 kickoff. This is due to the weather having a greater detrimental impact on the pitch and therefore the earlier time means the game should be playable. I mean, obviously this is all irrelevant now because we know what happened, but that this is what happened at that time. Yeah, so to who ate Tuesday the 9th of February, the day of the Carlisle game, but not many fans were surprised when the game was called off at midday due to a frozen pitch. So no surprise there. It just means another game 
gets moved and the fixture schedule becomes even more crowded later on in the season. Yeah, I feel sorry for Carlisle because they've had so such a long period without games. But I mean, the weather report should have been enough to inform the authorities that this game had no chance of going ahead anyway. It was minus whatever it was and it wasn't going to get much warmer into the positives. Uh, you know, you're not going to thaw a whole pitch out at zero uh, or at one. So it was a bit of a stupid thing it wasn't called off or they didn't allow the authorities didn't allow the, the team to say okay then let's call this off early so you don't have to travel but but there you go that's the EFL for you the EFL also announced that a player's salary cap for leagues one and two the the salary cap that has been spoken about so much that's actually been scrapped for leagues one and two now following a challenge from the PFA so obviously from my point of view I'm just wondering how this affects the planning that Martin Ross the transfer committee um, how it affects their targets, what they planned, and also the contracts that have apparently been offered to current players who are out of contract this year. I wonder, I wonder what that does now. Yeah, it certainly put a different slant on it. I think at the last uh, Q&A, you know, I think they, Martin said he was tasked from getting the wage bill from 2.3 million down to 1.8 million because of the salary cap. So it'd be interesting to see whether Martin gets more money allocated because there's no salary cap meaning he has more money to spend on players so I think Martin probably finds that ruling to probably hinder him more than what it helps him but we will see and I'm sure that'll be communicated in the club in due course and so moving on into Wednesday the 10th of February the club announced another new date for Carlisle away so it's been moved now for the fourth time this is scheduled for Tuesday the 23rd of March kicking off at half past six I mean you'd imagine this one will go ahead you would hope so anyway. Yeah, you'd hope so. Thursday the 11th of February, happy birthday to the other voice of Orient Live, summariser Matt Hiscock. Hope you had a great day, mate. Yeah, Matt was awesome when he came on the podcast, I think in Jan or December. Yeah. So hope you had a great day, Matt. Mooney Friday the 12th of February. And at midday, the news we were all expecting, but earlier than what had been previously, as it was announced that the upcoming game away at Harrogate Town was called off to avoid us making a long trip to New Yorkshire. So, you know, good on the authorities there. That's called off literally 27 hours before the game is due there to take go. place. So look what, look what happens. There. Look what happens when common sense prevails. Um, moving on then to Saturday the 13th of February. It was a quiet day. No news to report. Very little League 2 action. So let's move on then to Sunday the 14th of February. Yeah, it was a time for love all over the world. So, a happy Valentine's Day um, to everyone. And we hope you made uh, big fusses of your significant others and got lots of nice treats for yourselves as well. So, Monday, the 15th of February, the club announced that the away match against Exeter City, which is going to be played on Saturday, 6th of March, will now kick off at 1pm. So, slightly earlier, um, but no surprise there. No, that makes absolute sense. Happy... Uh, birthday to the legend that is Peter Kitchen for Tuesday the 16th of February hope you had a great day yeah, absolutely the club also announced another rearranged day so Harrogate Town which was postponed earlier in the week is now due to be played on Tuesday the 13th of April now kicking off at 7pm so yeah. again fixtures coming thick and fast now as the season draws to its close Absolutely. Nothing to report for Wednesday the 17th. So Thursday the 18th was happy 40th birthday to Orient CEO Danny Macklin. Hope you had a great one as well, mate. Yeah, welcome to the 40 Club, Absolutely. Mr. Macklin. The club also announced that the upcoming away fixture against Grimsby Town 
on Tuesday the 2nd of March, but it's been moved to an earlier kick-off time. So this game will now kick off at 7pm a week on Tuesday. Yeah, on Friday the 19th of February, the club announced the season card holders event for this coming Thursday, the 25th of February at 7pm with the four January editions of Dan Kemp, Nick Freeman, Adam Thompson and Tristan Abrahams taking questions in a live Q&A on Zoom along with Ross and Martin and Nigel as well. So more open communication and direct access to people at the club. Brilliant. Yeah, it should be an interesting one, um, that one. I'm sure the media team will get lots and lots of questions. One to watch there for sure coming up on Thursday. So let's move on in. Saturday, the 20th of February, and we have to start by saying happy to Huey Day, 10 years to the day of that one all draw against Arsenal in the FA Cup of that amazing moment where Tahue, capable of anything, beats his man, smacks the ball low, hard into the corner of the Tommy Johnson stand, and Russell Slade goes on a magical running journey down the touchline, loses his cap and everything, and pandemonium breaks out all across Brisbane Road. He didn't just beat anyone, he beat centre-back Lauren Koscielny, if I remember correctly, um, in front of the South Stand. I mean, I just had prime view of that, Steve, from our seats, so that was absolutely, what a what a goal. Absolutely stupendous. And the build-up to that was really good. Quick passing, moving football as well. God, we played some good football that year. Um, main event of Saturday was Port Vale at home. Uh, quick stat that I've stolen from Skybet League 2. They said Leighton Orient haven't scored in any of their last four games, which is an obvious thing. But they haven't gone five games without scoring in the EFL since December 1999. So, any of you statos out there, uh, there's one for the book there. <laughs> we, as always, we ran a Twitter poll before the game, so we wanted to know how you thought the O's would get on this one, so we ran a Twitter poll, and after 160 votes in 24 hours, you voted as follows. With only 12% of the vote thinking we would lose the game, 22% of the vote thinking we would draw, with a whopping 66% of the vote thinking we would win the game. There's always a massive thank you for all of your votes. Like we say, we do these Twitter polls the day before the Saturday games. And so if you're on Twitter and you follow us, please make sure you vote on these. It's always good fun. And, you know, hopefully we will be right at some point. I think the last couple of games have been significant um, win percentages, but we haven't actually seen that come through in the actual results. So mm. come and vote. Don't be shy. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's move on to the main event, which was the match. At two o'clock, the team was announced with Vigaru in goal. Akinola, Thompson, Happy and Brophy were your back four. Midfield of Cissé, McEnough and Freeman with Kemp, Johnson and Wilkinson up top. Sergeant was the goalkeeper on the bench with Widdison, Coulson, Turley, Young, Dayton and Abrahams. Yep, so the starting eleven saw three changes to the Colchester lineup. It was two weeks ago. It's Craig Clay, Sam Ling and Tristan Abrahams came out and Joby McEnough, Dan Happy and Danny Johnson came in. As a new name for many fans, Matt Young was named on the bench having been promoted from the youth team. So, Paul, what were your views on that one? I thought that was a strong side and we should... We should play an out-of-form Port Vale off the park, even if they might have a new manager bounce. Um, it were my pre-match thoughts. Keen to see how the McEnough and Freeman do. I hope Danny Johnson hadn't rushed himself back too soon. I know he's had an extra couple of weeks where he's not had to play, but 
Um, you know, hopefully he doesn't uh, see a reoccurrence of his injury. Your, I just kept it short, really. Your views? Yeah, I think when I saw the starting eleven, you know, no real surprises there. Um, based on the four-three-three formation that we know Ross obviously likes and has spoken about many times. The only thing you'd say there is not many attacking options on the bench. You know, you've got Abrahams, who is capable on his day, but other than that, you've got Dayton and a very untried youth player, Matt Young. To be fair to Matt Young, we've heard a bit about him over the last couple of weeks. Mm. He's scored some decent goals at youth level, so good to see him get his chance. But there's a lot more experience you know, defensively on that bench than what there was attacking-wise. And obviously, there's loads of injuries that we'll come on to later with Van Gogh being out, Satoru being out, Dennis being out. Um, so we get that. But you just looked at it and you thought, well, Tristan's the only one who, as a, who's an established forward on the bench. Yeah, I think uh, I think you make a good point there. It is, you know, with Wooderson, Coulson and Turley, they are all defensive options. You know, half your bench is, or take it not including Sam Sargent, but half your bench is, is defenders. So, yeah, that's a little bit, it's a good point, to be fair. Uh, we had a lot of views that came in on this. Jack... LOFC tweeted and he said, great lineup, but worried about the bench. Should be getting three points. Molly Folly, 2019 said, how predictable playing the 4-3-3, which he doesn't believe in, but the inclusion of Widowson and Abrahams and dropping Kemp and Cissé to the bench could have produced an exciting 4-4-2 with Brophy on the wing. But clearly the results and goals over the last four games means no change. A bit of a sarcastic ending to Darren's tweet there. Yeah, and just to your point earlier, from Ross's interview on the Orient Hour last week or the week before, he said he doesn't prefer the 4-3-3. He's playing it because he feels that it suits the personnel that we've got at the moment. And if he had his choice, he wouldn't play it. Um, so, yeah, make of that kind of what you will, I guess. Ollie underscore Sonnenfeld said, strong team, but if Port Vale are playing 4-4-2, which it looks like they may be, then I'm concerned because we struggle against 4-4-2. Yeah, good point there. Lou Bear, 84. So it's a team that is capable of three points. So the O's got the game underway on a warm Saturday afternoon in E10 as the O's were looking to get their season back on track. But with Port Vale looking for their first away win in six games under new manager... Daryl Clark, who had been signed earlier in the week from fellow league to sign Walsall. So, Port Vale going through a bit of a transformation. They've got David Flickcroft now as the director of football, and they've gone and taken another manager from a club in the same division and paid compensation to get him out of his contract into Port Vale. So, Port Vale aren't messing around, it would seem. No, absolutely not. And it's an interesting thing from from his perspective, from Daryl Clark's perspective, that he's left a team who are in 14th to take over a team who are in 19th uh, and have only had one win in five, whereas uh, Walsall also similarly only one win in five, but but um, three draws to that as well. So although there's not a massive gap between the two, it's four points between Val and Walsall, it does seem like a strange one. It's not like he's gone to a top six, top eight side, is it? So interesting in self-division that's what he's done they've, they've got him and, they, and they've swung him round you know it's interesting I was, Morecambe have done something very similar not in terms of poaching a manager but Morecambe have implemented and again I've only seen this through uh, Quest TV Morecambe have implemented the new club strategy which they went public with in the week and they aim to be an established league one side within three years and they, they're working towards this, this common goal really interesting so you've got Paul Val now we've got director of football in 
Morecambe, who have a new, completely new overthrown strategy, who are sick of being League Two minnows and now want to get into League One and be established. There's some big, big activity, big talk coming out of some of these league, fellow League Two clubs. So, you know, it's not just Kent and Nigel who want success. There are pretty much every board in League Two wants success. You've got Bradford, you've got Salford, you've got Cambridge who are doing really well. It's not. It's not just a case of Kent and Nigel throwing throwing money at it. It's going to be a real challenge, I think, to get out to get out of this division. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the clubs were just happy to tread water and be a football league side rather than a national league side at the end of the day. So it's interesting, very interesting stuff. That um, okay. So the game got underway, or it kicked off on a warm Saturday afternoon in E10. The O's were looking. Oh, sorry, you've just done that. Sorry, the first real chance of the game came to Port Vale in the 10th minute as Smith headed just wide from a corner. I mean, isn't that one of those openings where you thought, right, they're low on confidence, they've got a new manager, they might not be sure what they're going to do. He might be asking them to play <coughs> in positions that they might not be familiar with. So just get at them, right? Just get stuck into them. Put them under pressure. We had a great free kick position in the second minute. Kemp stepped up and just smacked it into the first man. Hmm. And you're like, come on, boys. You just want to see a bit of urgency, but... You know, 10 minutes gone, the first chance goes to Port Vale. And then on the 14th minute, um, a great chance for Port Vale. They really should have taken the lead. A poor Dan Happy clearance, which he played across the face of his own area, um, fell to Hurst, who took a great first touch, to be fair. Turned Akinola inside out, got his shot away from close range. And Lawrence Vigoru made a great save with his legs. Yeah, poor clearance and well done to Lawrence Vigoru. Um, that said, a quarter, quarter of an hour gone. No clear-cut chance has been created by us, but Port Vale have had two. Yeah, they did look a bit um, more on the ball than what we did. I thought Happy there was very silly and saved, not for the first time this season, by a lot of speaking mm. in the goal. But we took the ball up the other end. We got a corner from the corner. I think McEnough swung it in. Happy met it unmarked and just headed over the bar. So Happy, you know, almost redeeming himself instantly by almost heading in the first goal of the game, but he headed over the bar. Yeah, a uh, decent chance, you're right. I, I made a note that in the 18th minute, we tried to play it out from the back, um, but then Port Vale were closing us down, and, and Thompson was the one that went to clear it long. He got closed down so quickly. Well, it wasn't even that, it was so quickly, but he just got closed down, and, and it kind of deflected out for a corner. And I'm just thinking, like, what are we doing here? Why are we trying to be too clever? We're making more problems for ourselves. If we're not confident to play it out from the back, then don't play it out from the back. Don't just try something new. You've got to work on it. And it, that just didn't look worked on. It goes out to, I think it went out to Happy, it went out to Brophy, it went back across to Vigoru or out to, or back across to Thompson and then out to Akinola and then back to Thompson. He went to clear it. And it's just like, but they've already shifted up the pitch. Like the momentum and the point of playing it out from the back has been lost because you've taken too many passes so I was, was, that was a bit irritating yeah foul were threatening they're threatening again this time in the 20th minutes Hurst put in a great cross into the box and that was headed wide at the back post by Warwick I think Hurst was playing mm. quite well you can obviously see the thing that I guess frustrates me sometimes is you can see what Paul Bell were trying to do they've got their danger man number 7 Warwick and they've got Hurst on the opposing wing and it was all about mm. getting those two on the ball and getting, yes basically balls into the box and get those two to cause trouble and that was very clear early on we were kind of having a few problems kind of dealing with it but they had a very clear game plan whereas our game plan again like we've said sometimes you can't really work out what it is apart from you know slow progressive build-up play and just wait for an opportunity which isn't the most 
shall we say, exciting uh, brand of football. Absolutely, and if your front three aren't able to close down from an early from an early stage you, in a four four two, they've got the width that we don't have with a narrow. Even if we're playing four one two two one, whatever it is. Um, as opposed to say you know straight four three three, you know you still got a lot of space down the side, which Worrell and Hurst really wanted to exploit us for, and it took twenty four minutes for us to register our first shot at goal, and that came from Usise, who shot from outside the area, went through a host of bodies, and it went wide of Brown's post. So that was the first time it took us twenty four minutes to get a shot at goal. Yeah, that was disappointing. Twenty seventh minute, Joby McEnough, who was looking like. You know, if, if anything was going to happen for us in that first half yesterday, it looked like it was going to go through Joby. He went on an amazing run. I think earlier in the half, he went, he done this amazing like Cruyff-esque turn that was fantastic. He, in the 27th minute, went on this beautiful run. He drove a ball, crossed the byline, cross came in, but no one on the end of it. Yeah, no red shirts. No Orient players busting a gut to get on the end of it either. I mean, Val had, to be fair, a number of players back in the box at the time, but didn't really see anybody trying to sort of bust bust their guts to get in uh, on the end of that, considering how well Joby had done to get to the position that he'd got to, like you said a minute ago. Um, yeah, just the, 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 there wasn't that fight, there wasn't that dynamism that, we, that you need from a, a team who are trying to get one over a team who are lacking... Match wins basically, and, and and confidence despite having a new manager. Um, we'll fast forward then to the 35th minute. Some good work from Dan Kent down the left. He set up Joby, who shot from 20 yards out, and that went comfortably to Brown. And yeah, I mean, that's yeah, really that the, the first, first shot, shot that's worked. Like Brown's had to yeah. make a save, but not really had to make the save because it was straight at him. But yeah. he obviously held it. So again, you know, 35 minutes in until we work their keeper. That was disappointing. 40th minute, great run from Brophy. Done well to get past two defenders, but his cross wasn't great. Ball got cleared, and one minute of added time, rest of the half was played as the referee brought the half to a close with the scores all level at nil-nil. Now, Val have looked well-organised in the first half. They've tried to get forward. They've tried to hurt us, as we mentioned, with Worrell and Hurst. But thank God for Lawrence Vigarou. Uh He denied them that opportunity, which means that the you know the scoreline has stayed nil nil. We've looked a bit better today, but still our final third isn't really good enough. And uh, even my wife, who wasn't even really watching the, the game, said, "Oh, this seems a bit better um, than it was before." And I was like, "Really?" Um, Zoe. There's still not enough crosses going in, and their keeper's only been worked once. So we're still not good enough in that final third bit. Midfield have worked hard, really, to get us up the pitch. and We haven't really mentioned him too much, but Nick Freeman was, was working hard to get us up the pitch. Joby McEnough working hard to get us up the pitch. So, you know, there is, a, there, there is some huff and puff. There is some endeavour there. Um, but it's, it's, it's just been a little bit lacklustre, a little bit, well, not a little bit, but quite underwhelming. Yeah, I think you hit it I think the last couple of first halves have been quite uh, underwhelming. And like you said, like I think I said on the last episode of the podcast, when you're in the ground, you it might always be underwhelming, but you never really notice it because you're talking to people and you're singing and you're chanting and it's a completely different experience. But when you're watching it on a TV or on the computer or wherever you're watching it at the moment, probably by yourself because you can't watch it with anyone, it just feels like a completely different experience. And it's not one that, again, I said 
on the last episode, it's not really enjoyable. And when the team don't seem to be doing much or it's lethargic or it's very slow, it's very easy to lose interest or yeah. get more wound up than what you normally would. Yeah, um, I think you yeah, have to take into account. So let's move on into the second half. It got underway. No changes for the O's. But Port Vale took the lead with just one minute into the half as a long ball was pumped into the iron box. James Brophy misplaced... Well, he kind of miscontrolled his clearance, fell to David Wall, who held off Brophy, took a great first touch, to be fair, shot low and hard into the bottom far corner, passed Vigaru, and suddenly it's 1-0 to Port Vale. Do you know what? My heart dropped on that. I'm not going to lie. I, th- I thought that was a really disappointing goal to give away. They get one chance and they've punished us for it. I mean, it was, it was a good finish, but what a poor start. Second half, don't concede in the first five or ten minutes. No, half time talk would have half time talk would have been go and get yourself one or what, not, you know, go a goal down. So it kind of changes the dy- dynamic of the half time talk. A good finish from a good player. I mean, he's their danger man. So if Brophy makes a mistake, there's one player who you don't who you don't want it to be capitalised on, who unfortunately was the player. But he took it well, but you know, at this point you're thinking, Ross, please, man, for the love of God, you're gonna have to do something here because we're one 0 down against the team who we haven't won away in six games got a new manager and we've not played in two weeks neither of they so we should yeah. really be looking much better mm. than what we are so we were a goal down but at this point they had the momentum they had a corner in the 48th minute due to a shot that got deflected from Nick Freeman that came to nothing though yeah James Brophy went in the book in the 50th minute apparently for simulation that was four but great work from Connor Wilkinson four minutes later he won a free kick in a strong position on the right, just on the right of the Port Vale penalty box. Joby McEnough delivered, but sadly that came to nothing. Yeah, I've got to say, set pieces. What's going on again? There? Yesterday. Yeah. Poor. Some were, I wouldn't say all were poor, but it was at least 50 50 that were poor. Some corners don't beat the first man. Some of the free kick deliveries was poor at best and you're thinking these are prime prime opportunities to put people under pressure you know we've got two big lumps in Happy and Thompson get them up the pitch make you know make them work get Wilkinson into the box but you know very disappointing that one in particular Worrell who had scored earlier in the half he was subbed off in the 56th minute due to injury not that you ever want to see players get injured but it's quite a relief to see him come off the pitch yeah I was happy when he left the pitch I think it was clutching his hamstring a little bit um, we were lucky to be given a free kick in the 58th minute after Dan Kemp was adjudged to have been fouled. I don't think he was, to be fair. Joby Mashenough delivered, and after the ball pinged about in the Val box, Nick Freeman eventually took a shot that went wide and over. Yeah, and you know, at this point, again, more frustration coming through. I mean, it'd be interesting if fans were in the building to see what the atmosphere would have been like. It would have been we would have been trying to urge the team on um, and maybe that would have made the team more attacking base. We don't know, but the equaliser wasn't far off. That came in the 62nd minute, came from the left as Brophy passed ball into Dan Kemp, who was inside the Val box. He turned beautifully, buried his shot into the far corner, passed Brown to make it one all with his first goal for the O's. I thought that was a really good finish by Kemp. I've been quite critical of Kemp mm. at points, um, but I thought there yeah, he'd done excellently. Super first touch, Superb turn, great finish, well done, young Dan Kemp. Yeah, I agree with you on that. He did take that very well and it's good that he got got his first goal, got that monkey off his back and hopefully that will lead to a cascade of more. Um, more great chances for the O's in the 64th minute. Nick Freeman drove forward. He fed Joby McEnough who crossed into the box. The ball eventually came to DJ who shot 
just wide from a tight angle from close range. He rushed it and he scuffed it. Doesn't normally do that, but obviously, as mm. I just come back in the team, maybe 100% fully fit, Danny Johnson scores that, but disappointing to miss. Yeah, absolutely. And being so close to the goal as well, um, that is always disappointing. Um, 67 minutes on the clock then, we got a corner. Dan Kemp delivered a good ball in, but Adam Thompson headed just over. It was an open, very open game. Because getting end-to-end stuff is just a minute later. Paul Val went on attack down there right, our left. I think Hurst had the beating of Brophy when he was getting at him um, from an attacking threat for them. He beat Brophy, crossed the ball in. Devante Rodney beats Sanjakinola. He headed quite well, I thought, actually. His header, I think Vigoru had it covered, but his header hit the top of the bar and went over. Yeah, Tunji didn't seem to do too much there. It's like uh, Rodney had really nothing, no sort of um, pressure on him from from a defensive perspective. So I think that's one thing that Tunji will probably look to uh, to improve on uh, in the future. And then we're going to move to the 69th minute. Frantic activity inside the Val box. Danny Johnson got in behind the defence and he tried to lob Brown, um, who for, fortunately for Brown... Um, kept his hands up and saved well. The ball came back to DJ, uh, who looked certain to score, but his scuff shot was blocked and the chance was cleared. And that's such a shame. I was on the edge of my seat then thinking, yes, that's this is going to be our goal. This is going to be the winning goal. And it just never came. That's the typical Danny Johnson run. He's on the shoulder of the defender and he just makes his run beautifully. Got in. Um, Brown does well actually I think to make the initial save yeah, but it's when the ball's bouncing back to Johnson and, and you see him line up you're like he's going to put this away and I think he just takes a fraction too long to get the shot away and the yeah. defender's right in his face and clears the ball and I think at that point you thought it ain't going to be DJ's day today it's not happening for him today Absolutely agree with you and I think since we've scored it's probably worth noting we've been much the better side and we've been much more dominant um, yeah, then, I, I would agree with that, but there was it wasn't like Paul Val were not coming out. It was an open yeah. game. We were, we were getting the better chances, but it was an open game, and yeah. I was thinking at this point that it really could go either way. I, it wouldn't surprise me if Johnson would have buried that, but at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if Paul Val were going to go and, and nick it. It was one of those where you just couldn't call it. Mm. Yeah, very true. First sub for us, Dan Kemp made way for Tristan Abrahams in the 79th minute. Dan Kemp being a little bit quiet, other than his goal, a little bit quiet since then. Yeah, it seemed, at the time it seemed like a bit of an odd substitution because he had just scored and he was starting to get into the game more and more, but Ross did say in his post-match he felt a little niggle in his quad and they, it wasn't anything to worry about, but they just wanted to make sure he wasn't kind of risked mm. any further. Because at mm. the time you were like, come on, like he's just scored his goal, what are you doing? But Ross did explain that to be fair to Ross. So that was in the 79th minute. A minute later, Nick Freeman set up Connor Wilkinson just outside the area. Connor took a touch, got a shot away, took a, a nice little deflection, which kind of meant it was going the other way to what Brown was initially moving. But Brown done really well to kind of claw the ball back uh, from the bottom corner. I made, I think, what was an outstanding save, to be honest. I thought that was an exceptional save there by Brown. Yeah, that was a good save, but well done to Connor for that shot. I think another keeper on another day wouldn't have got down so so well to save that. So I think it was a bit unlucky not to score, but it was a good opportunity. And then in the 90th minute, some great work from James Brophy. Saw him drive to the byline. He won a corner, which JB McEnough took. Unfortunately, it came to nothing. He really excites me when he makes these long, deep runs, or, uh, these runs in from deep. Uh, and, and no one's tracking him or picking him up, and he's just able to just nick the ball and just 
beat defenders really easily. It's just a shame that we don't create more goals from those sorts of opportunities that he's creating. Um, and we're getting corners every, that then come to nothing. Every time he does that move, Danny Johnson knows exactly where to run. Yeah. My criticism would be that you never see enough of that from Brophy in the first half of the games. Correct. Not at all. Correct. And I guess anyone who's pro Brophy left back or pro Ross will say that's because the first half yesterday was muddy as hell. But Brophy has to do that in both halves because yeah. we only really saw Brophy start to do that from 70 minutes on. And look how much trouble it caused Paul Val. Mm. Every time, you know, you're thinking he's going to get an assist here in a minute. Um, but yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to see Brophy get get at the defences more, especially in the first half. And like I said, we know how bad the pitch is on that left. But then, you know, Brophy is a professional footballer, so mm. he should be able to be better when the pitches aren't as great. I don't know if I've articulated myself very, very well there, but you know what I mean. Yeah, he he we, we he was playing uh, with the west stand on his side, so in the first half it makes it harder to make those runs because it's a lot more boggier, and it's harder for him to do that. Whereas in the second half, when he's got the the lush side of the pitch, if you like, it's easier. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, but I don't I don't want that to be an excuse for him not doing anything in the yeah. first half. To say, oh, that side of the pitch is rubbish because you know that doesn't stack up. But yeah, absolutely great point there. So we were on ninety five minutes. We had a corner. Um, in the first minute, Abraham's passed the ball across the box. And again, you're thinking, someone just get on the end of it. The ball went out for a corner. The corner eventually came in. Dan Happy headed well over. And then there was time for one more corner, which you knew was going to be the last corner of the game. And you're just thinking, everyone, just push up. Everyone push up. For some reason, Joby and Connor took a short corner, um, <laughs> which was crossed in the box. Came to nothing. The ref brought the game to a close at the end of the added time, and the points were shared as the team that drew one apiece. Yeah. So Ross Embleton spoke to Dave Victor after the match. That's obviously been listened to and heard by lots of different people. So we won't repeat what's already been heard, but that's on the club's YouTube channel if you haven't already uh, listened to that. And so we'll move on to the league table. That draw saw us. Yeah, draw- I mean, just sorry to cut you off there. I think I think that's worth watching for any Orient fans who haven't watched it. There's been a lot of talk um, on social media about that interview and about Ross's perception of the game. Uh, and it's quite interesting anyway because it gives a good update on injuries. Um, but if you haven't watched it, I would go back and watch it. It's about eight minutes long, but it's quite interesting to hear what Ross has to say about the game because it's caused quite a few talking points. Yeah, uh, which, are still, ra- which media, are still going on now as anyway. we record. What's that, my love? Which is still going on while we record. I can it, see it, the it, notifications yeah. coming yeah, up. Yeah, Billy Carroll and Andy Gilson, it's, it's, yeah, it's late on a Sunday night. Can you stop arguing and tag us in your tweets, please? Because <laughs> we're trying to record an all-out episode. Thank you very much. <laughs> and Molly Folly too. You can, you, can, you can take us out of that as well. Grow uh, up, gentlemen. Grow up. You should know better. So <laughs> Lee Table in that yeah. draw sees us drop a place so we're 11th in League 2 now as Bolton <laughs> beats our end with a freak late goal so they're now in 10th we're 11th we've played 28 won 11 drawn 6 lost 11 so we've still got a positive goal difference of plus 5 uh, and we have 39 points so we're only a few points away from the playoffs as crazy as that may seem we're also only 6 points off 21st place in the league so a few more wins in the next couple of weeks we could be looking right up and a few more losses we could be looking down it's an absolutely bizarre season but Mr Levy what were your views on yesterday's match? 
Yeah, I don't think it's going to surprise many people. I mean, I mean, we a lot of people that have even tweeted us have said <coughs> the same thing uh, that I think you know that, that I've written down, which which I did straight after the match. You know, look, one point is better than none. Um, although that's not really comforting, given you know some of the teams that we've played and and, and Port Vale, they were organised. To be fair to them, they were well organised. They defended in numbers. Daryl Clark has clearly worked on something with them to, you know, again, if they're not gonna, if they're not gonna win the game, it's important that they don't lose it either. Um, you know, we had Lawrence Figueroa that saved us early. Uh, a lot of fight from the players, but only really after we'd gone one down. Um, I also noticed a couple of things where uh, Danny Johnson and Adam Thompson both got a bit riled up uh, during their personal battles with the people that were marking them or they, they were marking. So it was good to see a bit of fight and a bit of passion from some of the players. But I, d I don't understand why it takes us so long to get going. Why does it take for us to go a goal down before we start playing, you know, Dan Kemp's goal came on, on around the hour mark. You know, we played 15 minutes of the second half before we get going. You know, why aren't we doing more against these sides? Why aren't we better in the final third? Why aren't we testing their goalkeeper more? Why is it down to Joby McEnough to haul the whole team up the pitch? Why aren't there more players taking responsibility for this? Does the system really not work? Is four three three really not something that's preferred? You know, some of these players, you know, are new, you know a number of them are new to us, but some of some of the team are still the same as what we had, you know, last year, and and some of them have been in a four four two formation uh, before. But you know, I don't know. I'm not a master tactician by any stretch of your imagination, but it's just there's some frustrations as to. Why, with the squad that we've got, who are clearly in many cases League One capable, how we're not doing better against a Port Vale side like that we saw yesterday? You know, the first half wasn't great. I thought Cissé had a slightly better match than what we'd seen before. I mean, let's not. I'm not going to go overboard with praise for him because I felt he also slowed us down a little bit too much. He's a little bit too sideways and backwards. Um, and I know he's that defensive midfielder and he's there to, you know, help be an outlet and an option for people. But, you know, it wouldn't hurt him every now and again to turn around and face the goal that we're trying to score into and look for a forward pass. I think we could do a lot more of that. But as I say, you know, credit to Port Vale. They did sit back at time. They made us work for the angles and the attempts that we did get. Uh, and they made us work hard for, for those opportunities. Um, Totally agree with some of the views uh, that came in uh, to say that this felt like a missed opportunity for us. I, I do agree with that. There are signs of quality, though. It's not a total disaster, but you know we've just got to start sharper, be be more decisive, be more threatening, and be more dangerous and be more assertive when we've got the ball. Um, I thought Adam Thompson. I think is most people's man of the match. He was outstanding yesterday, marshalling marshalling the back four and I think to the point where everyone's saying how dangerous Brophy was and then saying he needs to be further up the pitch I think you're missing the point Brophy is able to be more dangerous because he's starting as I mentioned earlier he's starting further back so he's not being picked up so he's able to make those deep runs or those runs from deep sorry um, because he's coming from defence and then he's, you know, it's overload on that side of the pitch. So they're not prepared for it and it makes him more potent. So it's kind of really confirming Ross's belief that he is more effective from left back rather than picking it up 
further up the pitch where he's probably going to get marked out the game. So, um, but also, I've got a comment on this. Normally, I wouldn't because you know everybody is entitled to their opinion. Period. No, no argument from me on that point at all whatsoever. No argument. Everyone's entitled to their view. But some of the meltdowns that are going on with some of the people, and I'm not going to name names because that's just not what I'm going to do, but the meltdown just needs to stop. Yes, we weren't great. Yes, we're in 10th. Yes, we should probably be higher up the league. Yes, some of our performances have been poor. Yes, we've not documented and spoken about them on this podcast. Everyone can see that. But, you know, just the absolute meltdown of people arguing and going on and on and labouring points is just... It's just not good. Just people need to chill out a bit. And from a mental health perspective as well, it's not good. Like this really isn't a, a ma- the massive deal that people seem to be making out that it is. All right, we're a little bit crap at the minute. We're not doing as well as what we should be doing. But likewise, we're also not down the bottom. And as you just said before, Steve, we're a few points off of a playoff spot. We're miles away from a relegation spot. Should we be doing better? Yeah, we probably should, but we're not. And these are the cards that we've been dealt, and we've just got to get on with it. Bit of a rant there. I didn't mean it to be, but there you go. No, I said that we're 11th, though. We're not 10th. So, sorry, we are sorry. 11th. You're right. Do you know what? My, I wrote that last night, and my app said we were 11th, and then I checked it again, and then it said we were 10th. And then when I read the plan back again later on in the evening, you changed it to 11th. I was like, what's going on here? So, yeah, my, my app played up. Apologies. We are 11th, yes. So, my yeah, my views on the game, it, mate, it was just, just like most other home games, you know, over the last couple of months. Slow, boring first half. Don't start playing until we go a goal down. And then we look like the team who are going to go on to win it, but just can't find the goal. Um like you, I thought Thompson was excellent. I thought Joby was good. I thought Freeman looks good in glimpses across the pitch. I thought Kemp's goal will do him confidence. Like I've said, some of his dead balls, I think, need to be worked on, as well as some of Joby's corners. I think, yes, they weren't great. Um, Johnson, uncharacteristic misses, but on most other days, he scores them. But for me, I, I just want to see Ross be braver. I, you know, mm. I've said before, I... I I want to see Ross Embleton excel in the role. I don't want to see a man look back in a few years and go, oh, I wish I would have done something differently. And, yeah. you know, given his reasons for playing 4 3 3, whether he 100% truly believes that, there's only one man who can answer you with that, and that's Ross at the moment. He's just rigidly sticking to it. Mm. But I just want Ross to go for it. You know, they're two weeks off. They've been training for those two weeks for the most part. Why so slow in the first half? Yeah. Why so unproductive? Why so uninspiring? Why so unmotivated? Why aren't they running? Why aren't they talking to each other? It's just all these questions running through your mind. And, you know, the way you ended your views was very apt. It's people aren't working at the moment. People can overthink things, and they are. But yeah, we should be seeing a much better late orient team and performance than what we are seeing, mate. Mm. You know, we should be. And whether that's because the players don't believe in the system because they don't know it or they don't like it or Ross isn't, tactically getting his message across in the training ground or the coaching staff aren't I don't know because I'm not there and neither are you so we can't see it but something just isn't clicking and hasn't been clicking over the last month and I don't know what it is and I can't answer you what it is but hopefully Ross knows what it is and hopefully the players know what it is because it's just not very good and you'll see from the amount of tweets that we got that most fans weren't happy and by no means do we represent every Orient fan 
because we don't and not every Orient fans on social media. But at the same time, it's still a proportion of people who watch the game who are saying the same things. And it's just a common built-up frustration. So, Ross, come on, mate. Be brave. Be bold. If you lose and we play well, no one's going to cane you. Everyone's going to go, well done. You gave a shot. But when you've got 20 minutes left of a game and you're bringing on the centre forward and putting him on Alan as a left forward, just be braver. Try putting him on as a 4-4-2. What's the worst that could happen? Paul Vale go and win it, but then people go, well, at least he tried to play 4-4-2. Credit Ross. Whereas all we're going to get and probably go for are criticisms of Ross for not being brave enough. Um, you know, and some of them hurt and some of them are probably more personal than what they should be but that's the way people are feeling and as a fan run podcast I think that's the view that we have to be you know we have to be putting across it was a better performance than Colchester two weeks ago for certain we more and more inventive Danny Johnson on other days scores two of his chances and we're talking about a win and everyone's you know happy happy as Larry and it's a completely different outlook but the truth of the fact was we drew one all against a team who have been poor recently. Yes, they had a new manager and probably had a bit more fighting than what they had. However, all that team yesterday are League One capable players. There's no Sam Ling in there. So, you know, without sounding disrespectful to Sam Ling, that's the one player who often gets called out. He wasn't playing yesterday, so you can't say that. The midfield of Joby McEnough, who's been exceptional, along with um, Cissé and Freeman, pretty much could do a job in League One. And then you've got Dan Kemper, we've signed, who must be League One capable. Danny Johnson, yeah, League One capable. And Connor Wilkinson, League One capable. So we know we've got the players that do it. So when they're putting in these mediocre, tiresome, uninspiring performances, especially in the first half, although the second half was much better, but especially in the first half, of course fans are going to be frustrated. Because we all are. And like you said, Paul, it's not the end of the world, but fans have a right to review and there's no doubt in my mind people are massively overthinking the game and the club at the moment which is their prerogative but at the same time if Orient are winning games 3-0, 4-0 then people aren't having these thoughts they're going away happy so you know it's tough it's tough I just want Ross to hold his head up high and be proud of what he's doing and be bold and be brave and like I said before there's only one man who can who knows if he's really true and and doing that and that's Mr Embleton the third outlooker um, so those were our views so loads of your views came in again this is really really uh, the point to emphasise just because we read them doesn't mean we read them I saw a thread on the forum this morning saying they retweet absolute um, rubbish we retweet everything that comes in because we believe every fan has a view as long as it's not you know, uh, a very personal view against someone else, then we will always do our best and utmost to be sweet because we are fans and we represent the fan base. So Sunshine LOFC got the tweets underway literally the second after the full-time whistle went, who said another largely uninspired performance against a limited side. Embleton yet again has no idea how to change anything. We have two very difficult games coming up while being totally predictable and I'm so bored of Embleton's predictable football. Mike Oakley underscore said, pleased for Kemp to get his goal, but the two weeks without a game has shown gutless performance so much better when we keep the ball on the deck and move it faster. 
boat season. So, so disappointing yet again. I appreciate we haven't played in two weeks, but if we have any plans of trying to push for playoffs, then we will need to be beating teams like Port Vale. Joby and Thompson were brilliant today. Must get positive results at Bradford. Dan Alton, 2590, said, apart from the fact that we actually scored a goal for the first time in five games, which along with not losing are the only positives, that was yet another dire performance. Slow, predictable, boring, turgid, uninspiring, and yet Ross never, ever changes nothing. Joe Jessner, 16, says, so frustrating to see us create constant chances when we had the fullbacks overlapping and the wingers dropping into pockets around the area. Why, oh why, do we not just play like that from the get-go, especially against a team on such horrible form as Paul Bell? But I must say, I did enjoy Kemp scoring the equaliser after being, in my view, somewhat randomly designated scapegoat of the day by some people in the first half. And Paul Skinner, 88, said, Nothing changes. Embleton keeps trudging on with his system that doesn't work and won't change a damn thing. Substitution start on 80 minutes again. It's always too late. Predictable, tedious and toothless. Record Blue Apps are not sure what we're running out of sooner. Talent or ideas? I'm not sure why the official stream thinks that we deserve to win the game. We gave them a golden chance nil-nil and they hit the bar. I would love us to try different tactics, but under the current leadership, I can't see it. A mid-table beckons. Shrimpy underscore boy said dreadful first half. Turned out to be the typical Orient performance of only showing up when we go a goal down. We really need to work on getting more out of our set pieces, which we did when Danny Sender first came in. There's some questions that were asked on another show as well. Um, also, Wilkinson yeah. had a rare off day, which is why the Kemp situation felt like such an odd decision. That's also a good point. You know, Wilkinson possibly tired a bit or was being marked out the marked out the game, so maybe we could have tried something different with, with Connor. Maybe bought Dave. Yeah, well, yeah, good point about Wilco. Wilco normally flourishes um, in Later games on, like this. Yeah. And normally they put two men on Wilco anyway, and he doesn't really make a difference. He's normally the danger man. But yesterday, just didn't look like he could get going into the game, really. So hopefully that's just a one off, and hopefully he's back to his you know form that we've seen throughout most of the season from Connor. Ed Jones, 1976, said, uninspiring stuff. Thought we could have made changes, whether it was players or formation a lot earlier. I'm impressed with the Thompson. That's about as good as it got. Don't know where we go from here. The ref was awful, but that's no excuse. And already within these tweets, there's a lot of the same words cropping up, you know, uninspiring, predictable. And it's the same keywords that seem to be cropping yeah. up now most most of the last few weeks, which I think are why fans, are the fans' views that we're getting are so frustrated. Yeah, I think frustrated is probably the key word here. Everybody just, you know, we can see that there is a situation but it's not being addressed and it's the same old it's the same thing over and over again expecting a different result um definition of insanity i think is the illusion uh, there but you know uh, i can't uh, yeah not being a manager and not knowing everything about the formation and tactics i mean i don't know it, it, it's difficult at the end of the day um, and that's why I'm not a football manager but Flaherty MGT said since January the game plan has failed and again this is the theme of it all isn't it that the, the, the game plan isn't, isn't really working goes on to say we rely on moments of magic for goals rather than a system that routinely creates opportunities too negative too predictable need to change in tactics and refusal to do so will lead to a change of manager that was quite a succinct. What's that? That was quite a succinct, articulate point. 
Yeah, very good, very good tweet there. Amos Orient said, another clueless, inept performance. Surely it's time for a change. It's becoming boring watching Ross's style of football. Surely Kent and Nigel have to change the management. Slow, gutless football by a manager that has been backed by the board. Orient underscore Ed said, better, but why do we only start playing, putting more imagination into the attack? It is very frustrating. I am sad to say I think Ross has taken the club as far as he can. The 4-3-3 system has been figured out a bit and he refuses to change it. Thompson was my man of the match. Paul what Red Rum said, pitch is not helping out wide players. Better second half when Ross changes it. It's the same system. When are we going to play two forwards down the middle? Orient Meat Pie said this was another early sorry, this was another really dire performance against an abysmal veil side. No ambition, drive or creativity. What's today's excuse? I'm going for rusty. Vale have won two in twelve. They also hadn't played in ages. Talking about changing the game plan, what I did notice, or what I think most people would have noticed, when Danny Johnson started getting his chances. Paul Val whipped off the young defender who was marking That's him. That's right, they put on Leon Leg. Put on Leon Leg. Yeah. And that worked. But surely when Paul Val played their hand, that's Ross's time to go, right, they've put Leon Leg on here. So, you know, he's a big brute. Should I watch? How can I get past Leg? Or what could we be doing differently now? Let's overload so, on Leon Leg. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Orient, meat, pie. So this was another really dire performance against Just an invisible foul side. Just done that. Sorry. Oh, done that. Sorry, Charlie yeah. underscore Paul. So you boys know that I'm an advocate for supporting Ross. However, if we're going to achieve what we want to achieve this season, then these are the games we have to win. He needs a positive result in a tough game on Tuesday night, or he could be in trouble. Yeah, Orange Finger said, I can't say anything more about Ross other than that he's stubborn and clueless. No formation tweaks, no clue. Got players who can do so much more. Not going to go potty. It's all about the metric bar. No point in screaming it from the rooftops anymore. Pandemonium, 1881, two points dropped. Very frustrating that it takes us 55 minutes to get going. When we were on the ball at the top of their midfield attacking third, they were clearly unhappy and didn't, at times, know how to contend with us. I agree that we have to be able to change up, particularly formation-wise, mid-game, and that would be my only criticism of Ross. Needed to be braver, work the ball quicker, and show more invention, which we did when we looked far more likely to be the winning side. Immensely frustrating, and two points thrown away. Kid Sampson O said, dull, dull, dull. Aside from a 10-minute flurry after our equaliser, we're capable of much more than the low-tempo entertainment vacuum being served up. Nice finish from Kemp for the goal, but he was very poor otherwise. Thought Cissé was considerably better than recent weeks. Vince Howard, 73. The man who sits behind us in the South Sand, who we've not seen for over a year now. Vince, hope you're well. Better after we scored, but no good playing for 20 minutes. Still very much, it looks like we are just playing the season out rather than looking to push for a playoff place. Orient Dave said, frustrating again, surely it's become clear, 4-3-3, or at least 4-3-3 with Brophy at left-back has run its course now. Even if it works for a game or two, it is never going to work over the course of the season. Change of approach needed. You see, I think the the, the Brophy thing at left-back, whilst I've not been a big fan of him at left-back, when he does get forward and he does get to the byline, and he's crossing it back for someone. There's no one there, really, or there's no one really busting a gut to get into a spot that's going to lead to a goal-scoring opportunity um, for me. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in a slightly opposing view to Dave there. OK, Dave, another fellow Southstander. Dave, hope you are well. Les LK 
52. So dreadful for most of the game. Need to find a way of getting service to the forwards. We are too easy to play against. And why does Ross persist playing our best attacker in the back four? Showed what he could do when he eventually got forward. Anyone thinking we're getting promoted is deluded. E4 Wizzo said, I think, and I think it's a good observation made here, I think a lot of those fans, me included, have tried to be patient and give Ross time. Seems like today's performance was the straw that broke the camel's back for many. We have some decent players, but consistently underperform as a team. You like that one? Yeah, yeah, I say that's a good ob- good observation there. We have got decent League One capable players, but we consistently underperform as a team for whatever the reason is. Yeah, good point. Alan Reeves too. So everyone knows we aren't going to get in the playoffs like this and we aren't going to go down. So why not give it go and change it up a bit? What's the worst that could happen? Daniel underscore D44 said, pretty uninspiring. Back four played well despite a bad error by Brophy. Thought the midfield played well, but we didn't really look like scoring. And can someone tell me why Wilkinson doesn't get in the box when we have a corner? The guy's six foot five and loiters by the corner flag. Brilliant point there. Brilliant point. Connor, get in the box, mate. (laughs) Dave M. One eight one two. So not the result we wanted, but not a complete disaster. After a rubbish first half and risking being full happy clappy, there were signs that the form is coming back. Obviously, we still need points, but the new guys are settling in and confidence seems to be returning. The penultimate word this week, Andy underscore PO16. Hope you're well. Haven't seen you... Uh, seen your tweets for a little while so good to have you uh, with us another poor performance against poor opposition there is no desire to change anything that clearly has not worked for some time it's just stubborn blind faith from Ross Embleton sadly he's not the manager for the job but all the while we are nowhere near the bottom nothing will change and the final word this week goes to Ben D. Bollard, who says, much improved in the second half, probably should have won it. Sadly, not quite enough conviction about us at the moment to finish off games like that, similar to the Colchester game. So those were all tweets that came into us on Twitter at Orient Outlook. Let us know if you agree or disagree with any of those views. You can tweet us, like we said, at Orient Outlook, or if you need more than 108 characters, and some people clearly do at the moment, going on by the Twitter notifications that we are still getting on this Sunday evening you can email us at orinoutlook at outlook.com we're also on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast <coughs> and we're on Instagram Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast absolutely so now we have the at design Cadby prediction league update so For those of you that have been listening for some time now, you will all know that we have had James and the team come on board for for this season. They sponsor our Prediction League. And for those that uh, don't know, uh, Design Cadby specialise in company branding, advertising, print, digital and logo design. And all Leighton Orient fans get a 15% discount off their work. You can find James on social media at Design Cadby. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can email James now. That is hello at jamescadby.com. Yeah, nicely done there. So we had a few correct predictions. So well done for James O'Hagan, Orin underscore Ed, at Kevin Cowlin, at Danny Boy underscore 247, at Wrecker Blue App, at Floodgates, and DMC1 entire who predicted one all, so they got three points. So no changes to the top of the 
prediction league as we have Dan Alton 2590, David Landau 17 at Wadsey at the top on 23 points, currently followed by O's fan basing in second place on 20 points and John Band 6306573 on 17 points. And thank you for all your predictions. So that was about 45 minutes. We're just over the hour mark as we move on to Sunday the 21st of February. That wraps up yesterday's game against Port Vale. Hopefully it wasn't too painful for anybody to relive that. But as we record today, on Sunday the 21st of February, we want to wish a very happy fourth birthday to young Leighton Orient fan and listener Ethan Schaffer. Hope you've had a fantastic day and hope mummy and daddy have spoiled you rotten. Yeah, happy birthday there to young Ethan. So let's wrap this up in just over the hour mark. Fantasy football updating. So Dave Hayton is currently top of the Orient Outlook podcast, Fantasy Football League, ahead of Paul Baker in second place. I'm in 49th place out of 295 players. The table still hasn't updated from today's matches, and I think there's still a few to come um, this week. So keep your eyes uh, on the website to see where you're at. And thanks to everyone who continues to play in that fantasy Football League. So time to move on now to positives and negatives of the fortnight. I can't remember who done the last set of positives. Um, so I'm easy on them. So I'll do positives this week. So first positive is we haven't lost in three games, even though uh, we've drawn, we haven't lost. So that's a not a bad starting point. Second positive is we got a point out of that game. And the third positive was Dan Kemp's first golf orient. Took it beautifully, so well done there to young Mr. Kemp. So three yeah. positives. We've actually, for one of the first times, we've actually got more negatives than positives. So we've got four negatives this evening, Mr. We Lee. really have, yeah. We've not won in five games. Uh, I take your point about there being three games that we've not lost in, but we've also not won in five. And yes. You can quite easily forget how to win games and kill games off. We didn't get going until after we went behind. We've got to stop that attitude and that behaviour from happening. We've got to be on the front foot and leading all the time. If we are to have any chance of at least getting into the playoffs, we're not that far away from it. Nothing has changed on the pitch with regards to the team setup, as everybody literally mentioned in the tweets that we wrote, we read out earlier. 4 3 3 doesn't really seem to suit the playing personnel. And really, are we getting the absolute best out of the players in the, in the formation? Uh, that that's being deployed, um, and the final... I think, just just go back in the formation. Obviously, mm. Ross was on the Orient Hour. Where he, I'm not listening back to it, but from what I understand, he has said he does four three three isn't his preferred football formation, but he thinks that is the formation to play because of the players at Orient. Yes. That strikes me as very very, um, and I'm not I'm not someone to question the head coach of late in Orient because. Like you, I've never worked in football or done any tactical courses, but I'm sure these players can play four four two or different formations. I don't, I don't agree with Ross there. I agree with Ross on many things. I don't agree with him on that, and that seems to be yeah. the one issue that's really driving a lot of the fan base against him. Yeah. Like we like we've just read from the tweets, not being brave enough, not changing the formation. Normally, we wouldn't have formation as negative because it's not really our place to kind of challenge uh, that. But I think. Tonight, after what we've seen the last couple of games and, and yesterday, I think that goes in as as probably the biggest negative this week. Yeah, well, we can all see that it's not working. We can all see that the players are not having the best of games. And in previous weeks, when we said Lawrence Bigger is our man of the match, this week for the last and and. The, 
this podcast and episode 234, we've given the same, I've oh, given it away a little bit, but we're coming up to it in a second, the same hero of the week is, <laughs> is, is a defender, is a defender because of how well they've played. Is that, me, is that me and you? We can see it, right? But we don't work for Leighton Orient Football Club. So well, it's I'm not only at the end of a phone. We can, say what, we can say what we think. It's disappointing that none of the coaching staff or the head coach can't see anything different to what we are seeing, unless we are unless we aren't seeing something so blindingly obvious along with the rest of some of the fan base. But, but then you're saying several hundred, if not thousands, of people are saying the same thing, and the three or four or five people that can make the difference can't. That that that's just not the case. So it must be. This is what I'm. This is what I'm going to stick with, and I agree with you. I, I don't agree with Ross that the the, for, the the current setup works in the best possible way for our players. Now, as you say, we're we're not tactically um, learned in this particular space, but don't know that you necessarily have to be to see that you know the, the, the performances are not entertaining. They're not inspired. You've got one or two players trying to pull a whole team. Of, of 11 players and I'll never forget Russell Slade said to, to me maybe it was in an interview with us that you can afford to have one or two players not at 100% but you can't afford to have any more than that that are not at 100% you have to have the other or maybe it's two or three players but you have to have at least eight or nine players at 100% giving it their all and I don't, I don't necessarily see that that's happening with the, with the team that we've got at the moment yeah, I agree. And well, it's hard to disagree based on based on current performance. Well, that's all I you could do. Because... Like I said earlier in the pod, you know, if we lose, but we you know give it our all and we've kind of done all we can do, then no one's <laughs> going to moan and kick off. It's when you see performances again like yesterday, where it's a slow first half. I think a lot of the words that we use are uninspiring, predictable, lacklustre, rigid, turgid, like all those words. It's we don't have any pleasure in saying those words about an no. team, but. It's, but we but we're saying them unfortunately because that's what's coming through and that's what we're seeing. And again, maybe people are looking at it too closely because they aren't in the ground and they're having too much time to overthink it. But that's the current view, unfortunately. And had had there been fans there yesterday after that one all result, you know, it would be very interesting to see the reaction at the full time whistle. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the final final negative this week <laughs> are the injuries. So we've got Ling and Clay. Uh, Angle and Satoriu. Um, I don't think Clay's as bad as what they first felt. The same no, for Lee Angle. Um, yeah, I mean, Angle seems really bad based on what Ross said yesterday. It seems like Angle might not play again this season. And obviously, he's out of contract um, in the summer, which obviously leads to a discussion whether or not he should get re signed. But yeah, it seemed to be that Ling was hard to put a timeline on but shouldn't it be too long Clay Tuesday might be a bit early for Clay wouldn't surprise me to see Clay on the bench on Tuesday Dennis doesn't seem like it's too bad Satoriu wasn't as bad I think as what they first thought it was but might be a while uh, and Angle seems like seems like the really big one yeah the long the long one so let's move on then to Hero of the Week then so this week as I've probably given the spoiler away is <laughs> Well done to superstar defender Adam Thompson, who gets it for the second week running. Mate, there Nothing must be a first for, for someone to join the club as a new player and pick up our outlet podcast two of the week for two, well, two podcasts running. Setting a precedent. 
Yeah, so well done there to Adam Thompson. So let's move on in to next week's fixture. We are back into the Saturday-Tuesday mode now for the next few weeks. You couldn't have picked the two tougher games now, really, for Ross and the boys. We go away to Bradford City on Tuesday, the 23rd of February. This one kicks off at 7pm. Bradford played Cheltenham Town away yesterday. They pulled off a great 2 0 win. Two goals from Andy Cook. Uh, they're currently 13th in the league. Their last five games have won four, drawn on, lost one. They're top of the form table as it stands. They sacked McCall, and since they sacked McCall, they have been on a run. They are playing very well, and confidence will be high. That is a very tough game. Yeah, same as Tranmere, our next opponents. They're also, they sit second in the form table for League Two as well. So, going to be another difficult game as we go to uh, we come back home on Saturday the 27th of February and we host Tranmere Rovers who played yesterday they drew two all at home to Oldham they're currently sitting in the playoffs they've surged up the table they're in sixth place and they've won three drawn one lost one of their last five um, and yeah over the last six games they sit second in the form table so big games big week Please watch out for James Vaughan. I think this is a massive week for Ross Embleton. I think if we don't get two... I think if we if we sit here next Sunday and we're talking about two losses, I think he's looking at a job-saving week the week after as we go away to Grimsby. I think if we lose these two games, I think Grimsby becomes a real real huge big game for Leighton Orient which I hope it doesn't I hope we go to Bradford and we turn them over I hope we get we have Trammer at home and we beat them if we don't I think Grimsby turns into a huge game I think Grimsby are bottom of the league uh, they've had a really bad season they beat mm. us earlier in the season at our place if you remember that when Craig Clay committed that yeah. terrible challenge and conceded yeah. a penalty there's not many fans at the moment who expect to take much from Bradford or Tranmere. I think if we can take four out of six, I think we'll all be happy. I think if we take six out of six, we'd all be delighted. I think if we don't take anything and we go into the game against Grimsby, I think that becomes a real, real, real big game. Yeah, 100% agree with you. It's, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be a really tough week. Yeah. You wouldn't expect to take anything out of the, two, the league's two most informed sides. But, I mean, if we can get two draws out of that as a bare minimum I think that's that's that will you know and we play well I think that will be good so let's wrap this up then because we're now at 73 minutes so sponsorship reminder don't forget for the best plastering and rendering prices around visit AJF plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode number 235 since we welcomed Kent Teague onto the podcast we had to wait two weeks for the O's to play a match due to the weather and expectations were high for the visit of Port Vale which finished with a one-all draw some fans will say it's a well-earned point others will say it's two points dropped many fans still asking the same questions about tactics and formations yeah this week sees two difficult fixtures like we've just spoken about for the O's Coming up against the two most informed teams as the pressure continues to build on Ross and the squad to challenge for a playoff place. And hopefully this time next week, we'll be reflecting on two great performances for the O's and we'll be talking about six points. So if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a review. Um, and if you're listening on Spotify, tune in or Stitch or SoundCloud, add us to your favourites. That way you'll get the podcast as soon as they are uploaded 
and we're also on smart speakers, so listening to the pod is even easier than what it has ever been. And if you have a relative, a loved one, or an orange chum, anyone who you think will like the podcast, grab their phone, download it for them, and pass the pod. Yeah, just before we go, just worth mentioning, if anyone's thinking ahead, it's less than a month to Mother's Day. And if you're looking for a bespoke gift idea for Mother's Day, you want to check out a new account on Instagram called Crafty Zoanzo. That's Z-O-N-Z-O. My wife has set up a bespoke gift uh, business and um, it uses um, Scrabble pieces to create a memorable picture with names uh, that you can have to your taste and your order. So if you're looking for a Mother's Day gift, then get in touch. If you want some uh, if you if you are interested, you want some examples of some of the stuff that's already been created. She's done a couple for some Orient fans that turned out absolutely beautifully. Um, then by all means, DM us at Orient Outlook, and I can point you in the right direction there. So a bit of a plug for my wife's new um, side hustle, if you like, new business that she's set up. She absolutely loves creating special things for people. So if anybody's interested, then get in touch and, and we can help you. Uh, we're going to be back with episode 236, all being well next week, all being well talking about two good results for us. We've got, we'll have all the information and views that you will ever need and we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Adios. Adios.